And when it comes to hazardous drugs, they are extraordinarily important because they're going to give you uh, containment strategies. They're going to tell you what PPE is needed. All that stuff that you need is on that document. Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Well, hello everyone, Dr. Lisa Foss here, and I have an impactful session for you today. It's actually gonna be the first of a series. Um, there are so many compliance issues, just in general in pharmacy, like I think we're the most regulated industry. I know banking likes to claim that, but they don't know pharmacy. Uh, and so there's so many changes coming to independent pharmacy for requirements and updates. Um, and all the things you need to be compliant with. Uh, I personally can't keep up with them all. And so my go-to is over at RJ Hedges, Jeff Hedges. And so he is going to be my guest. And this is probably going to be a several part series. If we were to try to talk about all the compliance issues in one big uh, show, you would probably be listening for hours and probably fall asleep, even though it's highly important. Uh, it's very important you pay attention. These are gonna impact your pharmacy and all the legality things that happen with that. You don't want fines. You don't want bad inspections. You want to make sure your employees are up to speed. So I'm very excited to bring Jeff Hedges on. The first session we're going to be talking about is hazardous drugs. Now you might be thinking hazardous drugs, that's, that's old news, kind of been there, done that. But when I talk to pharmacy owners, most kind of gloss over it. Most really, you know, they did a few things at the beginning, but that they really haven't stuck with it. Um, I visit a lot of pharmacies whenever I travel, and I can tell you that 99% that I walk into do not comply with all of the hazardous drugs regulations. And so I think it's going to be great to review kind of what the requirements are and what the expectations are. So um, I have Jeff Hedges, as I said. I probably, if you're in the independent pharmacy industry, you know him. He has been around. He is the titan of compliance for um, decades now. I don't know. I don't want to date you too much, Jeff, but a really long time, as long as I've been around, uh, he's been around helping independent pharmacies with compliance. But for any of you that might be listening, maybe you're a new pharmacy owner, um, just getting into independent pharmacy, um, welcome, Jeff. And can you give your, you know, a brief introduction for someone who maybe doesn't know who you are and all the awesome things that uh, RJ Hedges does? Okay. Thank you, Lisa. Um, Titan, that's the first time it's used, uh, was used on me. Normally it's the old fart. <laughs> no, you're a Titan. Uh, so thank you. Um, I own and operate RJ Hedges and Associates, which is a full-scale compliance company. We have a interactive user-friendly, uh, software that, uh, you can find any answer within seconds. Uh, and, uh, we have clients all over the country. We have about 500 and uh, they are well prepared. So, but there's still a whole bunch of people out there that don't understand a lot of these subjects, don't have a time. And it's actually impossible for a pharmacy to stay compliant now without help. So, and that's where we come in. That statement is so true. It is, it is impossible to stay compliant without help. There are just too many things from so many different angles. And frankly, if you call compliance just a bunch of paperwork and a binder, um, that's not compliance. Uh, you recently gave me a tour of like that interactive software that you talked about. And boy, like you guys have made it 
uh, just amazing. I mean, my mind was blown uh, in the sense of, like you said, the interactiveness, but the quickness and then like the checklist, making sure that you've done everything. Like I, I was just floored by it. So um, I, I, it's very user-friendly, as you say, because compliance is more than just having the policies and procedures. It's actually following the policies and procedures and changing the behavior in your pharmacy. And it's also making sure that your employees know how to answer the questions. If you're the owner or you're the pharmacist or maybe the pharmacy manager, and you all know the answers to the questions, when you get an audit or an inspection or something like that, you may not, isn't it always happen, Jeff, that they always come in when you're not there? Correct. <laughs> the one time the pharmacist leaves the pharmacy to go to Las Vegas to a show or to Orlando or something, it's like, that's when the people come in. Yeah. It's a, it I think they, the yeah, they look at your calendar before they come in to make sure you're not there. They do. They do. It, it's it's really uncanny. And so your employees need to be trained. So the first topic that I want to tackle with you um, in kind of this series that we're going to be doing is hazardous drugs. So let's just start it off. Um, I think there's a big misconception between compounding and retail and like, oh, this is only a compounding regulation. I don't have to do this for retail. And then I think the other big misconception is, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do this, but who's really coming around and checking? Like, I think those are the two things that I kind of hear. So let's just start off and start off with telling us just like, what are the requirements and what it is, you know, that, that how can we fix those misconceptions? Okay. There are two, <clears throat> there are two parts. Uh, part one is on the retail side, long-term care, they're lumped together. And then the other side is the uh, compounding non-sterile preparations. Um, the first part for us in the, in the retail industry, there are 12 distinct policies and procedures you have to follow. Uh, on the compounding side, there are 38. So there's quite a difference between them. Um, the big thing, what uh, hazardous drugs are coming in, you have them, you've had hazardous drugs before, but the difference is it's now being regulated. Now, 800 came into effect two days before the uh, pandemic was uh, ordered in March of 2020, a long time ago. Uh, initially, no one looked at it. And then here about a year ago, state boards started to implement it and it started coming into pharmacies. And now everyone on November 1st will be uh, looking at hazardous drugs. EPA is involved, DEA is involved, HHS is involved. Uh, so they're all pushing this. And then, so what do you need in a, in a retail pharmacy? That's a, a, a big question. Well, the first thing is you have to have a document called an assessment of risk. That document needs to be prepared for every hazardous drug that you have in your pharmacy. Now, if there are groups of items like, uh, like birth control tablets, they're manufactured packaged, they're in the container, you never touch them. Okay, so that's that's a great item. But there's a lot of different ones. You only need one assessment of risk. However, when we go in, into the other items, uh, if you got one that's a capsule, a tablet, a liquid, a cream, each one of them needs their own individual assessment of risk. There are 144 that a pharmacy needs to have. And they need to be uh, prepared properly. There are templates all over the place. Uh, 
Ours is one page. I don't understand why some of these are seven pages long because it's <laughs> you don't need all that da data. It's retail under the retail rules. So, and all you have to do, it's very simple. Uh, it's a uh, product name. Uh, you list it, whether it's table one, two, or three. One of the big items is a manufacturer pa uh, manufacturer's packaging. First control tablets, that's manufacturer's packaging. Uh, then the form, okay, again, tablet, capsule, liquid, cream, whatever it may be, they all need that. Does it require what they call manipulation? Okay, that means you have to get your hands into it and start working it. If you say yes on that answer, it has to go over to a non-sterile compounding lab. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, emulsification, though, it's just uh, with amoxicillin, that's not con considered compounding unless you're in uh, California. So they consider that compounding out there under their state rules. And then you have to have um, containment strategies. What are you going to do uh, if, it, if there's a spill? Again, if it's not a liquid, it's fairly easy. Uh, but if it's a liquid, then it's considered a natural spill. And then you need a spill kit. Uh, and then you have to review it. Normally, it's uh, the pharmacist in charge or a staff pharmacist who's been assigned to this. And it's signed off initially. And then it's reviewed every year. And there has to be a signature on it. And when we developed this, uh, I knew the PBMs were going to get into this. And so we have uh, five years sign off on the form. And then we retain it for five years. And sure enough, the PBMs are starting to add this in. So they want to get they want to get in everybody's business for no reason whatsoever, whether they have the authority or not. But anyways, it's that simple. I mean, we got a document. It's uh, actually, it looks that easy. So it's not supposed to be difficult. And if it is difficult, then you're probably doing something wrong. So, and uh, and just because another person said, I heard that this is going to be the way it is, nine times out of 10 is incorrect. So if the person doesn't understand fully what the rule is, then they're going to give you bad information. So, but also, and this is the main document on inspection that they look at. That's the first document they look at, because if you don't have it, you're, you're, uh, you're out of compliance, period. Uh, the other item is, is dispensing tools. You need to have your dispensing tools uh, separated. They have to be marked uh, with hazardous drugs. Uh, and I always like keeping them in a separate place. Uh, and we'll get to that in a moment. Also, it accounts for the automated counting machines. There are two main ones out there, the icon, and the one started it all was uh, Kirby Luster. They're both great systems. They both have their uh, advantages and disadvantages. But up until about a year ago, if you, uh, if you had to run a hazardous drug through those machines, you would have to take it apart and clean it. So USP came out with clarification that said that table two, uh, two and three, if they go through it, you don't have to do it. Uh, don't have to claim. It's wise to claim at the end of the day because you're using them all the time. But the problem is, is they always said, 
there's residue left in. That also included the robots. Uh, so they came out and said, no to robots, period. Uh, which on the long-term care side, that's devastating. Uh, so what happened is at that point, uh, again, USP came back and said twos and threes were okay to run through your robot. Uh, they're not concerned about the dust on those items and you can dispense uh, through those machines. That's, that was a big relief for everybody. The next item is a spill kit, because if you have a liquid and it spills and it has this drug, you have to uh, have the proper means of cleaning up those, uh, those spills. Uh, what we did, we put together a spill kit because they were all over the place and value and what they had and everything. And everybody has spill kits for uh, bodily fluids, but also you need another one for hazardous drugs. So we just combined it into one kit. It's a five-gallon bucket. Everything you need is in there. And uh, and it's one of those things. It's going to sit in the corner. Hopefully you never use it. Uh Unless I'm there. It always seems like when I'm in a pharmacy, uh, the best story was is over the pharmacy in Georgia, and they had a full DME line, and this little boy came in with his mom, and he had to go to the bathroom, and he saw all those toilets, and he sat down, did his business. We, we laughed. I mean, it was hilarious. Mom was embarrassed, but... But when we got done laughing, I said, okay, how are you going to handle it? I said, this is technically a biological. It is a spill. So how are you going to clean it? So, and then took the fun out of it. But anyways. <laughs> Somehow I don't think there was much fun in there to begin with, but. <laughs> well, I was cute. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, having a spill kit is it is it's like an insurance policy. You hope to never use it, but when you need to use it, you need to use it. So, right. Um, the other thing is you have to have access to safety data sheets, and when it comes to hazardous drugs, they are extraordinarily important because they're going to give you the, uh, containment strategies. They're going to tell you what PPE is needed, all that stuff that you need on that document. The other 90% is for transportation, for manufacturers, you don't need it. So uh, it's mainly first aid, PPP, or PPE, and uh, those items there. Now, one of the other things I like to do, and this is not a requirement, but I like to segregate the hazardous drugs. Get a bay, put your birth control uh, tablets all on the bottom shelf or the bottom two shelves. Uh, they're the most bulky. And then set up your... Um, the shelf with hazardous drugs on whatever method you do for sorting your drugs on your shelves. Um, and then it don't matter. It's just how you want to work it there. Then you keep your counting tools there. And the reason is okay, the techs are busy. They're the ones grabbing everything. If they, if you have uh, a drug uh, counting tape, uh, tray and spatula are on the counter, they're going to use it because they're going to grab the first thing. Yeah, when we go through the training, everybody's going to be really diligent for the, five, the first two weeks, and then they're going to go back. So, But if you take that counting tool and put it back on the bay where you have all your hazardous drugs, they have to get the, uh, the drug and they have to get the counting track. It's a simple way to do it, and it's, um, it's not going to be hard. 
And I know I, I have a couple of pharmacy systems. Oh, they always know because we have a red flag that comes up on the, on the software. And I said, yeah, how many people are looking at it? And they're, they're proud of their system, which is good. But humans are humans, and we're going to take the easiest way out. Absolutely. So question about on the retail side of things, because I know when EUSP 800 first came out, there was a lot of confusion. And I think that confusion still persists. Do technicians have to wear gloves when counting the hazardous drugs? Do they have to wear a mask? Do they have to have any other PPE if they're dealing with those, you know, finalized, manufactured, you know, it's a tablet in a bottle, they're just pouring and counting? Uh, what kind of PPE or is that part of the assessment that they do and it's kind of up to them to uh, decide what is what is needed or what is not? Yes, it has to be added on to the assessment. But in reality, uh, and hazardous drugs is not for the patient. It's not for anybody else. It's for the technician and the pharmacist because they're handling it over and over. If the, uh, if the form is in a tablet or a capsule, you're pouring it out on a tray. You're counting it with a spatula. You're returning the excess back to the stock bottle, and you're putting it uh, the, the amount, correct amount into the valve. You're not touching it. So technically, you don't need a gloves, and you definitely don't need a mask. So the mask ends. Actually, formerly ends on May, May 11th. But... Uh, but it doesn't, uh, that's no requirement for it. If you have to wear a mask in a pharmacy for hazardous drugs, you're in a negative pressure room with a respirator. So look at it from that point of view. Um, and then if it's liquids, yeah, put gloves on. That's uh, common sense. You, would, you should have been doing that from before because you don't want to cross-contaminate. You don't want to spill. You want to keep everything nice and uh, tight. So, but other than that, uh, there's the segregation of the tools and the assessment of risk, those are the big items, which then leads us into the inspections. And who's inspecting this? On the retail long-term care side, it's the State Board of Pharmacy. And don't say they never look and they don't look at it because they've all been trained by EPA and HHS on what a hazardous drug is and how to look at it. So state board comes in. A lot of times you know the state board uh, inspector. And you, you have a good conversation, catch up on some things. And then they pull out their checklist. And on that checklist, and we've had a number of states that are already doing this. Now, item number one, I would like to see your assessment of risk. You can't say, well, I got them in the back room and then call someone to get them because they're, they're supposed to be for that pharmacy. You can't say, I'm not sure, let me see. And this also applies to the tax because the, if, the, um, if the pharmacist is busy and can't come to the counter right away, that inspection starts with your pharmacy tax. And face it, they're going to do 90% of the work. So they need to understand that. And you just... Um, Whenever I ask, assessment of risk. Oh, okay, right here. Pull them up, hand it to them. That first impression on any audit or inspection is the key. So after that, they're going to say, hey, I want to see your hazardous drug counting tools. Oh, over here on the bay with our hazardous drugs, you pull about, 
and they see it right away. Again, another good item. So, and then they're going to talk about uh, your robots, your pill counters, and then they ask for, I need to see your policy and procedure manual. A lot of states now have stated that your policy and procedure manual actually has to have the pharmacy's name on it. So, uh, so if you can't use a canned one that you borrowed from someone uh, because it has to have your information on it. Uh, so again, they're going to look at that. And I've had states where they actually read the policy and then quiz the staff. So, so that's one of the other things. A lot of times you don't get in trouble because you violated a law. You're in trouble because you violated your policies. So, and if you have this, it's not hard. And uh, think about fraud, waste, and abuse, and pseudo-federal. When they came out, it was a nightmare for everybody until they realized, oh, this is pretty easy. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah, it's all well, about preparation. Yep, compliance is easy when you're prepared. Like that's, I mean, that's really what it's about. And it's about training and it's about reminding because like you said, everybody's good for the first two weeks and then you kind of slack off. And that's where you need to have somebody to, you know, designated to be your compliance officer, somebody that loves details, love nitpicking, you know, somebody that just really, really likes that kind of stuff. Make sure it's a good fit for that person. Um, and so you've obviously covered a ton of stuff. I think you've covered like, basically the lovely, the A to Z, we're not even going to get into the compounding uh, compliance. Cause like you said, there's about three times as many requirements there over compounding and that's a whole other conversation. But I think you got, you know, if you're a retail pharmacist or a retail independent pharmacy owner, you now have a good idea of kind of what needs to be done. Really it's four things that you, that you pretty much marked out, which they're simple, but they're not simplistic. Um, and that's, that's, I think, an important distinction. And so um, there's a lot of little tiny things under there that aren't hard, but you got to do it. So um, as we wrap this up, Jeff, if somebody's like, yes, I need help with this. I can't keep compliance with everything because I, that's not my full-time job. I need to run my pharmacy and do all those things. How can they contact you? How can they get, you know, I got to see that awesome demo of your guys' site. Um, how can they go and see if that maybe is a good fit for them? Uh, you can, two ways, you can uh, email us at sales at rjhedges.com, or you can call into the office at 724-357-8380, and we'll get you to the right person or persons, and they'll take care of you. We have all the policies and procedures. When we deliver them to you, that's online. They're customized to your pharmacy. Uh, we also have all the hazardous drugs. Uh, assessment of risk, which is a huge item. And I have a young lady here um, that we taught how to do it. And we have a couple peer review uh, pharmacists and she knows it better than they do. She's catching their mistakes now. Um, so we have them available and we also have the spill kits. Um, so it's all affordable. We can get them, well, you get one or the other or all three in a package. Uh, I'm not going to quote the price, but it's, um, it's very reasonable. Um, and yeah, you just call in. You can actually order it online at rjhedges.com and then go to Hazardous Drugs and you can make the selection right there. That's probably the fastest and easiest. So, um, and then go yeah, from there. So be ready November 1st. Um, as you said, Jeff, like all of the state boards of pharmacies, many have already been doing this. 
Some are just kind of coming online, if you will, but this is definitely one of the additional changes that is happening for pharmacies on November 1st. So now's the time to get prepared. Uh, you know, if you've kind of been slacking off or got a little lazy on it, that's okay. Let's just get back up to speed, make sure we got all our ducks in a row, um, because with all the things happening, whether it's the DIR fee apocalypse, the you know, DSCSCA, like all the different things that are happening in pharmacy in the next like uh, five to six months is a little crazy. Um, this is one that's fairly easy that you can cross off the list and, and get done. So I highly recommend you check out um, RJ Hedges' website. Get a demo if you want. It's absolutely fabulous and make sure your pharmacy is compliant. So thank you, Jeff. Um, I look forward to uh, talking to you again. I think up next is uh, DEA stuff. So uh, if you're uh, concerned about being compliant with all of your control requirements or you're unaware of some of the changes coming up in DEA, make sure you watch out for that episode. So thank you so much, Jeff, for joining me. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.